Hey, are you here? Hey, 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 yeah, you're here, and it's the Paul Leslie Hour. Look, we've got Paul's second interview and spoken art performances with the singer-songwriter, poet, and spoken word artist, Kodak Harrison. This on-camera interview comes from our video archives and was shot in Atlanta uh, around 2013 or 2014. You know, the Paul Leslie Hour is made possible by viewers and listeners like you, yes. So please, be a supporter of independent media. Simply visit www.thepaulleslie.com slash support, and we thank you. Now it's time for Kodak Harrison. How are you, Kodak? I'm doing okay. Doing okay. It's good to get to be with you again, Paul. It's a great pleasure. What's it like being Kodak Harrison? <laughs> well, it's kind of curly and, and a little, uh, um, I was, uh, what's it like being Kodak Harrison? I don't know. I've never been anybody else. So I have no reference point for that, but do that. I've uh, certainly had a what I consider a rich, full life, uh, and since I saw you last, uh, I got married last August for the very first time in my life, which is exciting and unexpected. <laughs> but so I'm I'm experiencing a whole new aspect of Kodak Harrison than I've ever experienced before because I've been single for six to something years. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's the married Kodak. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you. One of the things that you talk about frequently, going back to the concert that you saw of Buddhist Reading. Oh, yes. What was it about that experience? What did you hear? What did you see? Well, uh, I relate to that in several different ways. First of all, you know, I was a real big lover of music and the Rolling Stones are the first people I've listened to. And I had bought an album, my very first album, uh, a small town boy, uh, from Jackson, Georgia. I bought the album out of our heads with, with satisfaction on it. It also had an Otis Redding song on there. And in those days there was very little, uh, there was no internet. There was no cable. There was no FM radio. So exposure to music was pretty limited, especially for somebody from a small town. Um, and so I thought you had to be from London or New York or L.A. or Nashville or something to, to be a musician. And and here was this guy I discovered through the Rolling Stones, doing some research and finding out that was an Otis song that they covered. That's how strong my love is, which I sung at my wedding, by the way, uh, which is also on one of my it's one of the very few covers I've ever covered. Uh, anyway, I'm trying to trying to make this short. Don't want to get too long for it. But I discovered that Otis is from 45 miles south of me and was still living there. And I went with some older kids down to one of his concerts. I believe it was the summer before he died. And it was amazing. Uh, and I was looking for an outlet for my emotions. Uh, I, I came from a very religious family. My father died when I was nine and was sick for about five years before that. And males were supposed to be strong and silent. Uh, and... Here was this guy up there just, just exuding all this emotion. And every little word, he would just wring every bit of emotion out of it and just blew me away. And I said, boy, I don't, I don't think I can do that, but that's what I want to do. In other words, I, wanted, I found a legitimate, and it took a few years before I got a lot of doing that. 
but that's what going to that concert. It was an interesting concert in those days uh, in Macon and probably a lot of places that that was an African-American music uh, and it was not played on a lot of stations. Uh, and at that particular concert, there were about 90 percent uh, black and the white folks sat up at the balcony. We didn't know that. We were kids and we got there early, went right down front and nobody bothered us. Uh, stages about chest high and and all the big mamas were trying to get to Otis. And, and they, they didn't bother us, but they just about smothered us, you know. Yeah. And we looked up there. So the next two concerts I went to that summer were headlined by Wilson Pickett and James Brown. And uh, we sat in the balcony. But uh, that first concert, uh, the Otis concert, and that changed my life. And finally, I found my own legitimate way uh, of expressing emotions uh, through my music and my art and my poetry, etc. But it all started right there with that first concert I went to this kid, Joe's Ready Homecoming Show. Seems like you have a lot of items to let emotion you have. You mentioned the songwriting, poetry, spoken word. You're a painter also. Is there one that you feel is stronger and enjoy more? Well, it's funny. In my career, I combined things. Uh, singer, songwriter. The singer part of that is, is the way that I can take my songs, which may be emotional, and then I can express them myself, uh, which has always been supported by my guitar playing. And so there's a combination, those, those three things. Together. Now, the painting is a new thing. And fairly, uh, fairly well, it was, like I said, it's a new thing. And uh, it's a different thing. It's not so connected to the music, the words, the singing. Even the spoken word that I do is still using my voice. And so I'd use my voice and my words to express that emotion. Why do you write poetry? That's a good question. Uh, I didn't start out to write poetry, certainly. I started out to write songs. Uh, I had not read a lot of poetry. I'd let, read a lot of fiction, uh, and, and I'd uh, read a truckload of lyrics. I loved songwriters, uh, people, you know, Dylan and, and, uh, uh, Tom Waits and Leonard Cohen and et cetera, et cetera, the people that really wrote what I consider great lyrics. There's no lot of people uh, that I'm sure I've left out there. But uh, um, so I started out as a songwriter. The poetry thing happened because critics in the early 80s uh, started calling me a poet. In fact, uh, Russell Shaw in the period of loafing called me Atlanta's best poet in 1983, which scared me to death. I was thinking that the real poets are not going to like this. You know, I better watch my back. Uh, and so I didn't accept that label then, but people just kept calling me that. And even after I started doing it, performing words without music, I still consider myself a spoken word artist. And so slowly I've grown into the, the, the label of being a poet, just because so many people call me that. I'd say, okay, yeah, I guess I am. But, and I've gotten involved in uh, a lot of poetry events. I you know, run the job of monkey. We're going to celebrate 12 years. In June, 12 years of every Sunday night, poetry reading, spoken word. Uh, and I, I work with Poetry Tech. I'm chairman of Poetry Atlanta, which is an organization to help support poetry in the Atlanta area. So it seems like I've gotten much more involved in that. Uh, and it's probably a good thing. One night I went out to get a job a monthly speak in Decatur, and you did what I thought was one of your songs, but you did it as a spoken word. Uh, Oh, Robot, the next day. 
Well, the funny thing about that, uh, I don't know if it's funny or not, but the one thing about that is uh, after my first trip to uh, Amsterdam, I wrote three poems, which uh, I put together as one. So it actually started out as a spoken word piece. I was involved with slam poetry, which is, uh, uh, in fact, I was on the Athens Georgia slam team and then got involved with slam at Java Monkey. But uh, so it was, it was actually started out as three poems, which you put together as a slam piece, which made, and made it a spoken word piece. And then I decided to make it into a song with a chorus, uh, and which I recorded. So it was actually a spoken word piece approach. Could you do it? What's, hmm. Now you, during the, the break there, during the break there, he, uh, uh, while we were waiting for the noise to subside, he said, I, I want to, that same night he mentioned a job monkey speaks that I stopped in the middle and then, and then continue. Now that might happen again. Cause I haven't done that piece of but I'll try it. It, it may be, if it doesn't work, we can edit through that. Sorry. Uh, the aroma of Amsterdam fills the air. Checked in, we step out to seize the day. The fragrance of hash floods the hotel halls. The food of the market inspires my imagination. We thank you and appreciate you dropping in for the Paul Leslie Hour today. You know, you can help the Paul Leslie Hour in our mission to provide independent media content like this by visiting www.thepaulleslie.com slash support. We truly thank you. This is your announcer speaking. Performance of the Entertainer intro song and Corina Corina outro song, courtesy of John Primerano. Well, that's it for today. So until next time, be safe and be good.